Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Tonight on The Readout. I have a message for Joe Biden and Beto O'Rourke. If you want to take everyone's AR-15 in America, why don't you swing by my office in Washington, D.C. and start with this one. Come and take it. Wow. Republicans celebrate the AR-15, despite the fact that mass murderers are routinely using them for, as their, for their intended purpose, which is to quickly kill people including children. Tonight, how that weapon of war became so powerful politically for the right and how Republicans are able to suppress gun control measures the vast majority of Americans, including gun owners, support. Plus, how the right is using the Nashville mass murder to put a target on the backs of transgender Americans. And the battle over TikTok. Will Congress actually ban the widely popular app? And is it any more of a danger than Elon's Twitter or Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook? I will ask one of the Congress members who supports the ban. But we begin tonight with what America means for people. The symbols we latch onto, our flag, the bald eagle, even good old apple pie. These things matter to people. But there is a new symbol taking over America. It is much more sinister, but just as sacred. And that is the AR-15. Republicans like to say their beloved AR-15 is not a weapon of war, but it absolutely is. It was designed as a soldier's rifle in the late 1950s and soon became standard issue for U.S. troops in Vietnam. The Washington Post lays out this history in its piece on how the AR-15 became a powerful political cultural symbol in America. It was invented by Eugene Stoner, a World War II veteran who died in 1997. C. Reed Knight, who owns a Florida gun-making company and considers Stoner his mentor, told The Post that Stoner had no interest in civilians using his invention and that he would have been horrified by the idea that he invented the tool of all this carnage in the schools. Despite its origin story, the AR-15 is now an American icon that has little to do with conflicts overseas. Instead, it has become the emblem of a gun-worshipping society. That transformation wasn't immediate. In fact, the weapon used to be a taboo, an outsider gun stashed away at gun shows. Gun manufacturers never imagined civilians would need or even want a lethal military-style rifle. That started to change in 2004, when the AR-15 re-entered the gun market after the end of the federal assault weapons ban. And then, as the Washington Post points out, it boomed after 9-11 and during the wars that followed. Gunmakers pounced on the opportunity, making this weapon of war look cool and sexy and playing off the country's heightened interest in the military at that time. Doug Painter, a former president of a firearms industry lobbying group, told The Post, there has never been a better accidental advertising campaign in history. For many other reasons, including fear of another weapons ban and fear of a Democratic black president, the AR-15 was completely rebranded as a consumer weapon. The money poured in 
the U.S. pumping them out by the millions. Big money, blood money, and a marketing campaign. It is as American as apple pie. This firearm, as we know, is also a killing machine. It is the weapon of choice for mass shooters. And once again, following yet another massacre, leaving dead children and mourning families in its wake, the gridlock over guns has returned to Washington. House Democrats held a press conference calling for action on gun violence. Congresswoman Veronica Escobar of Texas was there. Her district includes El Paso, where in 2019, a man killed 23 people with an AK-47 in a racist attack at a Walmart. This was her message today to her Republican colleagues. We have to fix it. It is our job to fix it. It is our obligation to fix it. If not now, when? And to my Republican colleagues who refuse to act, if you don't want to get to work, get out of the way so that the rest of us can. The remarks encapsulate the very moment that we are in right now. The rage, frustration, and grief over American carnage. But it also reveals what we're up against, because Republicans are not going to get out of the way, meaning gun reform technically can't happen. And it's not because the will isn't there for most Americans. Remember, the polling is clear. Americans want gun reform. 63% of Americans are dissatisfied with U.S. gun laws. In another poll, 70% of Americans prioritize laws reducing gun violence over ownership rights meaning the Democratic Party is on the side of 70% of the American people. But that other 30%, they're going to get their way because we are a country that is ruled by a strong, a small extremist minority. So it doesn't matter that children are massacred. 20 babies in Sandy Hook, 19 babies in Uvalde, the vigils and the marches, the pleas and parents who will never be the same. None of it, none of it is likely to result in legislative action wrote Ronald Brownstein of The Atlantic, because gun control is one of many issues in which majority opinion in the nation runs into the brick wall of a Senate rule, the filibuster, that provides a veto over national policy to a minority of the states, most of them small, largely rural, preponderantly white, and dominated by Republicans. Joining me now is Congresswoman Veronica Escobar of Texas and Leon Spears, law enforcement firearms instructor. Um, thank you both for being here. And, and Congresswoman Escobar, I, you know, I note your passion um, as you spoke today. But I think you and I can both agree that gun reform ain't going to pass. It can't get through this particular House of Representatives. And because of the filibuster, it can't get through the Senate. That has to be incredibly frustrating for you as a lawmaker. Well, Joy, thank you so much for having me on your program. Here's the thing. It can pass if the political will were there. If we could get a handful of moderate Republicans in the House to agree with us, and if some common sense senators, Republican senators in the Senate would choose to do it. But it's not that we cannot or that we are unable to. It's that Republicans have made a political decision, that they value guns more than they value human life. They value the assault-style weapon more than they value the little children throughout the country who live in fear, pain, and trauma. Uh, it is incredibly frustrating. You know, when we had the majority, the House majority, uh, the last two Congresses, House Democrats 
took action. And we brought to the floor, we, we worked through committee, brought to the floor, and passed out of the House uh, common sense gun violence prevention legislation that polls well across America, even with gun owners. But you're absolutely right. Because of the filibuster in the Senate, uh, and because the Senate is unable to act on a crisis because of that, that filibuster, uh, we didn't have enough Republican support. We heard uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn say that basically the Senate has gone as far as it can go. The Senate has chosen to go as far as it can go. You know, Leon, and it, this is one of those strange issues where there isn't really partisan disagreement. You know, Republicans, majority say, yeah, we should have some gun reform. Gun owners say it. The majority of gun owners. I mean, this is an overwhelming issue at this point that even gun owners say 97 percent support universal back background checks. I'm talking about gun owners. Ninety two percent say raise the minimum age to 21. Red flag laws. Ninety percent among gun owners. And you and I both know I'm a gun owner. I, you know, I represent the majority of people who say I don't want people who are unstable, people who are dangerous, people who want to hurt people to have firearms. You're a firearms instructor. You don't either. So why is this a political sort of worship? The worship of this particular firearm, the AR-15, by one side is holding us back. What is up with that? A lot of times it's the history of giving government control. So you start with one and then it's a slippery slope. And so then the, there's a big government gun grab and their mentality of, OK, if I let them have this firearm, then I'm going to have I'm going to let them have another firearm. So that's the danger of allowing government to actually um, regulate to the extent of taking firearms or banning firearms. So that's the big issue with especially um, gun owners, you know, yeah. lawful gun owners. Um, people that have ill will will always um, find a way uh, to do damage and carnage to children. Uh, but I believe that you're right, that people desire to be, um, you know, in a society that there are common sense gun restrictions. And so um, there, there's nothing wrong with slight, slight, minute regulation that will be for the benefit of all. Well, I mean, the bottom line is the, the, the Second Amendment, which the the, the right has made, it, it, they, they don't care about the First Amendment, by the way. They'll, dra they'll ban a drag show in a heartbeat. They don't care about that. <laughs> but the Second Amendment, they're like, don't touch it. It literally says well-regulated in it. Yes. And we lived for a decade or more with a, an assault weapons ban. It was very hard during that time. It wasn't impossible, but it was very hard to get an assault weapon. And the number of school massacres and school shootings and massacres went down. So we know that gun reform actually works. But the AR-15 in particular. They, let me just read you what the, the people who were related to the guy um, who reinvented the AR-15 said. Our father, this is the children of Eugene Stoner, said that he designed the AR-15 and subsequent M-16 as a military weapon to give our soldiers an advantage over the AK-47. This is what the Stoner family told NBC in 2018. He died long before the mass shootings occurred, but we do think he would be horrified and sickened as anyone, if not more, by these events. You're a firearms trainer. Why would any civilian need an AR-15? Well, a lot of times it's for sport. 
And the AR-15 is very, very accurate. And to that history, um, the AR-15 was actually designed in the early 1950s. Okay. And it was designed by the manufacturer Armalite. So AR doesn't mean assault rifle or automatic rifle. Um, it was actually a brand for Armalite. Then in 1959, it sold its design rights to Colt. And then four years later, Colt was awarded by the, by the federal government to actually design the M16. And the M16 was designed for, um, purposeful, um, firearms for the Vietnam War. But what was it for? What is the purpose of having that the, kind of a the, weapon the, in a war? So, so the, the main two causes was it was being light and it was very useful. To do so, what? To, for soldiers to carry. To do yes. what though? To kill a lot of people. Well, to kill. Yeah. A, no, but, but I'm just being clear. Fire, when you go into a war, you're not going to go in yes. with a handgun. Yes. You're going to go in with a gun that's designed to let you kill a lot of people from far away and protect yourself. That is the purpose of an AR-15. Whatever the AR stands for, it's a military assault rifle. Well, the AR, again, was was... You know, it stands for uh, armor. Doesn't matter what it stands for. But, what is it for? To but, kill a lot of people. But uh, again, the design is light, and it's very, very um, essentially the Lego of. But of you guns. cannot hunt with it. You would literally create sushi. You cannot hunt with it. It is to kill a lot of people. You have not answered my question, my friend, and you are my friend. <laughs> Why does a civilian need a, an assault rifle whose only purpose in its little life is to kill a lot of people? Because it's killing a lot of people. Well, I would say the, the answer that most people would say that are gun advocates would be that for sporting and for self-defense. So, so people will say in an urban environment, it's oh, yeah. not, it's not going to be used for self-defense no. for the common person. So, um, that Have you ever would, heard of it being used for self-defense ever in a rural environment either? Oh, yes. You haven't. No, yeah. Let, let me, let, hey, wait, hold on a second. Let me ask you one more question. You now, now that we've established what it's for. Yes. If you pose, if a, if a, a, a political person poses with that weapon. Yes. The way that we saw come and get it, Biden, what message do you think they're sending? Well, that congressman was actually um, piggybacking on, you know, what the themes of of some really radical uh, gun advocates were saying as, you know, don't don't have a government gun grab for my firearms because a lot of people are just scared to say, and if I can't have this, if I can't have that, right. then you're going to take them all. Let, let me ask you, uh, Congresswoman Escobar, do you have any intention as somebody who advocates gun reform to go and confiscate the firearms of every American that has them? I mean, there are 427 million of them. Is that the yeah. intention of, of, of okay. Uh, no, ahead. no, it's not. And, and I think it's really important to be very clear about what assault style weapons do, because many communities like my own have to live with the consequences. My residents, people who were, who were, um, victims at the Walmart shooting have to live with the consequences of a weapon that was intended to create the most damage and carnage. So these bullets don't go through a body. They're intended to destroy a body. They're intended to destroy bone, to dis- destroy muscle, to create the maximum possible damage. And, and they have. Uh, I have constituents who are still living in physical pain after the 2019 shooting. I have constituents who had the, the, those bullets go through their body and shatter their bones. And, and mind you, the federal government is nowhere to be found. Uh, gun advocates 
or, or advocates who, who want assault-style weapons are nowhere to be found to help these families repair that damage or, or put their lives back together. Families who don't have health insurance, who can't get the, the needed surgery that they need, who can't get the physical therapy that they need. And furthermore, it's not just the physical carnage and that, that, that physical trauma, it's deep, painful, long, life-lasting emotional trauma as well that they have to live with. You know, re Republicans say that mental health is what's driving. It's not the guns, it's the mental health. Well, guess what? This carnage and this tragedy is creating more victims, uh, not just who deal with their, their uh, physical uh, health that's diminished, but their behavioral health. People who live with lifelong trauma. I want you to remember forever, because I will, that photograph of that little girl in Nashville who was looking out of the window of her school bus and you could see pain and trauma on her face. That little girl is going to carry that trauma forever. That's what these weapons do. And, and, and I mean, and I, I can tell you just from having raised three of them, kids are scared. They're scared of dying at school. This is not something that a third or a fourth grader should have to live with. But children are actually afraid to be at school because they know that there is a good chance, not an off chance, that they could be blown away by these things. And so we're saying that when you have politicians who are in the same business as this lovely congresswoman here who say there's nothing we can do, then why have the job at all? Quit your job and do something else because your whole job is to pass laws to protect us. I want to, before we go, play a quick exchange. This was Jamal Bowman, and my producer's going to tell me in my ear, uh, having an exchange with a fellow congressman named Thomas Massey. Let's look at that exchange real quick. Carry guns, we think more guns lead to more death. More guns lead to more death. Look at the data. You're not looking at any data. You're, not, you're carrying the water for the gun lobby. Look at the data. More guns lead to more deaths. States that have open carry laws have more death. States that have open carry laws have more death. Are you listening to what I'm saying? That, that's a, what, calm down. Children are dying. Nine-year-old children. Leon. Mm. <laughs> There should be gun reform, right? I mean, thir third and fourth graders should not have to risk being slaughtered in their classrooms, right? You agree with me on that? I agree with that, Joy. Um, Thank you. And uh, there needs to be common sense uh, reform. And a lot of times these shootings, um, even if not with an AR, okay, um, we need to address mental health. We need to address the access to firearms. Um, you were talking about the age from 18 to 21. Again, that's common sense. Yeah. Um, rural America is different than urban America. Um, but you are, you are right in regard to, um, some common sense yeah. can be regulated. I yes. appreciate, you know what I love? We can come together and agree on some stuff. <laughs> Leon Spears, thank you very much, my friend. And Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, thank you. Thank you uh, for your passion today and for continuing to do the work. Up next on The Readout, Republican lawmakers target the transgender community with help from evangelicals who, according to Tucker Carlson, see them as Christianity's natural enemy. Great. The Readout continues after this. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. 
That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. There is still a lot that we don't know about Monday's horrific and deadly mass shooting at a Nashville Christian school. But after police said the suspect was transgender, one thing is clear. Tennessee's already under siege transgender community is terrified. One advocate told NBC News, we are already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse. The right wing moral panic over transgender people living their lives or seeking medical care or simply existing obviously predates the Nashville massacre. But some on the right are linking the tragedy to their raging nationwide crusade against transgender people in ways that are just dangerous and frankly evil. Marjorie Taylor Greene, one of the most embarrassing and shameful members of Congress, without any evidence whatsoever, claimed that transition hormones or medications for mental illness were a factor in the Tennessee shooting and that, quote, everyone can stop blaming guns now. No, we won't. J.D. Vance, who sold his soul to Donald Trump for an Ohio Senate seat, shared his deep wisdom that, quote, if a trans shooter targeted a Christian school, there needs to be a lot of soul searching on the extreme left. Now, it is important to note that we do not know the shooter's motive, just a point of journalism. But in a particularly appalling act of hypocrisy, insurrection fist-bumping Senator Josh Hawley called for the Nashville shooting to be investigated as a hate crime against Christians. The same Josh Hawley, who was the only senator to vote against a bill to better prevent and investigate anti-Asian hate crimes in 2021. And last night, you know who? Fox's hate entertainment broadcaster, Tucker Carlson, of the I Hate Trump Passionately group text and lies about Dominion, joined in. The trans movement is the mirror image of Christianity and therefore its natural enemy. The trans movement is targeting Christians, including with violence. Most Christian leaders in this country don't want to admit that. Admitting it might force them to take deeply unfashionable positions. Joining me now is Jim Wallace, founding director of the Center on Faith and Justice at Georgetown University, and Charlotte Clymer, transgender activist and former press secretary for the Human Rights Campaign. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Charlotte. It's great to be with you. I'm going to start with you, uh, Charlotte. Uh, you know, there, there are statistics that show that violence against transgender people um, was already high. It's two and a half times more likely to be victims of violence than cisgender people. From 2017 to 2021, the number of trans people murdered more than doubled. 73% um, have been killed with a gun. Um, and yet, we're now seeing the moral panic over trans folks shifted onto this Nashville massacre. That's right. Um, it seems that Republican Party, as usual, just can't seem to do basic math. Since January 1st, 2016, there have been 3,580 mass shootings in the United States based on the gun violence archive. 
less than five of those have been trans. So we're saying that 99.7% at least of the mass shooters have not been transgender. So if we're going to ban someone, maybe we should ban people who are not transgender from, from owning weapons, if that's the logic. But I don't think that's what they're trying to say, is it? They're not trying to fix the problem. They're trying to weaponize it and exploit these senseless deaths. Three nine-year-olds who were brutally murdered just for their own bottom line in the ballot box. It's disgusting. It's hypocritical. And by the way, as a Christian, I find it offensive that they would leverage Christ's teachings in such a heinous way against innocent people. You know, uh, Jim Walters, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you were available to talk today because there is this thing that's happening where it's kind of hard to avoid the, the sort of Christian element to it. There, there is a moral panic over LGBTQ folks in general, but trans folks in particular. Do you have any idea where that is coming from? LGBTQ are initials that all stand for somebody who's beloved of God, made in the image of God. Let's be clear about that. This is all a distraction from haste. That's where they're using this for, distraction. Uh, here's a moral fact. The leading cause of death now for our children and teenagers are guns. Yeah. Leading cause. And here's a moral conclusion from that moral fact. We're not protecting our children. That's right. If it were websites or poison food or some website, we would take care of it. Yeah. But a Republican says, there's nothing we can do. This is needed for our freedom. So what he's saying there is we will sacrifice our children for the sake of what he calls freedom. So let's ask, what kind of freedom is this? Yeah. For whom? From whom? This is a question he has to ask. You said worship in your opening segment there. There was an ancient god called Moloch. Leviticus talks about Moloch who is a God that children were sacrificed to in flames. And the Bible is very tough on Moloch. Guns are our new Moloch. Absolutely. Yeah. Guns are the Moloch. We're sacrificing our children to Moloch when we could do easy, common sense things. Yeah. I have, you, you just triggered me just to look. Jeff Charlotte tweeted a photo. I, I have to show this. This is a, a photo of a bullet at the center of a cross. Mm. That is sacrilege. Mm. That you have this worship of guns by people who are calling themselves Christians. Well, white Christian nationalists are white nationalists, and Christian gets thrown in there. Mm -hmm. So they're white more than Christian. And I'm just saying, let's be Christian yeah. more than white. Yeah. So it is false worship. It is the worship of Moloch. And it is really... Uh, it's a heresy. Let's call it a heresy. White Christian nationalism, which is behind all this, is literally a biblical heresy. And Charlotte, I mean, the thing is that there are real people that are being impacted. Your community is being impacted. And, and I wonder if there is a way to disentangle people's sort of not understanding of trans folks, right? I think the T is the toughest one in the alphabet <laughs> soup, right? In the LGBTQ, the, the T gets get right because people don't have an understanding. People, yeah. even if they're not mean or not angry, don't have an understanding. Is there a way to sort of disentangle people's not lack of understanding from this this moral panic is now getting drag shows banned, even though that isn't trans. No, no. And, <laughs> and I think children are only unsafe at drag shows when a shooter shows up to kill them. That's right. That's where the threat is. I would challenge anyone just to get to know trans people. We are a vibrant, diverse community, as diverse as anyone else. You know, I'm from the great state of Texas. I served in the military. I go to church every Sunday. My faith is very important to me. But God made me in her image. God made me transgender. And 
to see these people so cynically weaponize this and exploit these children's debts and their teachers' debts, it breaks my heart. I wonder what those families are thinking right now. What do you what do you mean, feel when you have somebody like Michael Knowles say at CPAC, we need to eradicate transgenderism, and when somebody like Tucker Carlson says that transgender people are at war with Christians? I can't see Christ in their words. That's for damn sure. I can't see where the biblical principles of loving your neighbor and walking the walk with Christ that they can see. I, I can't see what they're seeing right now because that's not of Christ. It's not. Yeah. And, and I'll give you the last word. I'll be stronger. This is antichrist. Yes. This is anti-gospel, anti-Christ. And so this is a false worship we're confronting here. We've got to confront it theologically yeah. and not just politically. Amen. Politicians could do something if they wanted to. What's behind that is they are worshiping a false god, and they are literally sacrificing all our children. I'm from MSU. Yeah. When the hit, shooting hit, 50,000 kids, all the parents called. Yeah. Parents got to not just start keep calling. Parents and students have to act That's right. to change all this, and we can do it. Amen. We can do it. Amen. Uh, Charlotte Clymer, Let's pray for stay safe. Families. We absolutely are. Absolutely. Uh, Charlotte Clymer, Jim Wallace. Thank you both. Thank I you really Jim. appreciate it. I really, you were the two specific people that I wanted to talk to about this today. So thank you for making yourselves available. All right. Coming up uh, after banning nearly all abortions in their state, Idaho Republicans now want to keep women under his eye with a new bill blocking travel out of state for the medical procedure. You can't make it up. That is next. Thanks. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Everything's going to be okay, right? Just let me do the talking, okay? Just now. Evening, ladies. License, please. Where are you headed? Uh, we were just out for a drive. Headed to the border? Oh, no, no. We were just going up to the... Uh, hey there. The... What's your name? Grace. Are you pregnant, Grace? Step out of the vehicle. She does not have to yeah, get out of the Show me your hands on the wheels, please. Grace, step out of the vehicle. On the wheel. That was a chilling ad released in 2020 before the fall of Roe. And surprise, it is becoming our actual reality in America. In Idaho, where abortion is already banned, lawmakers have introduced a bill that criminalizes assisting a minor with traveling to obtain an abortion without their parents' permission. And that may sound fairly innocuous. I mean, we generally do not allow minors to just head out across state lines and obtain medical procedures without an adult. 
But the Idaho bill defines something new that lawmakers call abortion trafficking, defining it as recruiting, harboring, or transporting the pregnant minor within Idaho. And it sets a punishment of two to five years in prison for anyone who does so without parental permission. And while the bill doesn't include language about crossing state lines, it would apply to any travel inside Idaho on the way towards entering another state for an abortion. So by definition, that's heading out to cross state lines, which would mean, as HuffPost points out, it could criminalize an aunt who drives a pregnant minor to the post office to pick up a package that includes abortion pills. Or it could target an older sibling who drives a pregnant minor to a friend's house to self-manage an abortion at home. And what happens if that minor has been raped or victimized and the adults who would need to give permission are the perpetrators or that minor feels endangered by them? Those would be questions if this bill passes, which it is likely to do. And that could be a blueprint for red states across the country. Joining me now is Melissa Murray, professor of law at New York University and MSNBC legal analyst. And Melissa, um, let me read you a little bit from the Huffington Post about the background um, of this bill. This bill, per the Huffington Post, in in Idaho is ripped nearly word for word from a model law that was published by the National Right to Life Committee, which is a leading anti-abortion group just before Roe fell. And those who understand and know about that committee know that they want a total ban on abortion, and they would, in theory, like to have all women criminalized for crossing state lines to get one. Your thoughts on this bill? So again, this bill is very cleverly constructed. It does not actually prohibit individuals from traveling across state lines. And indeed, to do so, I think, would incur real constitutional problems. What it does criminalize is transporting a minor within the state of Idaho for the purpose of an abortion. But as you say, most people seeking abortion in Idaho are going to be traveling outside of the state because the laws in the state are so draconian. So what this criminalizes is the trip from your home to to the border that you then cross to go and seek an abortion and then the travel back to your home. All of that could be criminalized. Going to the post office to pick up pills that have been shipped interstate, that could be criminalized. And the purpose of all of this is simply to deter individuals from assisting pregnant people in securing abortion care to essentially isolate the pregnant person. I'll also say an ancillary goal of this and the term trafficking, applying the term trafficking to abortion in this way is yet another gambit at personalizing and normalizing the prospect of fetal personhood. So we can begin the prospect then of actually enshrining the fetus as a person for purposes of constitutional law, which would then lead the way for making abortion completely illegal throughout this country. Right. And it feels like what the what the anti-abortion right is doing is they're sort of they're blocking off like different roads. Right. They're making it so that there are just fewer and fewer roads and locking women and girls in to where they have no choice but to give birth. And does, is, does that feel sort of the way that these laws are being written? They're doing it piece by piece on something that you think, well, you know, minors shouldn't be able to just get an abortion on their own. But it's just a piece in trying to lock it down so that women and girls can't do it at all. So this is certainly part of the plan. And again, the logic of parental rights, which we've seen deployed in other contexts like CRT or curricular bans, is very powerful. And so the idea here is that 
children shouldn't be making these decisions or minors shouldn't be making these decisions without parental input. And I think everyone understands that and sees that it's reasonable. But that's not really the point of this. The real question here is, how is the state going to enforce it? It's going to be very hard to do this unless you're literally checking pregnant people at the border. So what the real purpose of this law is, is to literally isolate the pregnant person so that no one is willing to help them because they are worried about the prospect of criminal liability. So it's closing those doors while again opening the doors to new possibilities, again, like the prospect of reimagining the fetus as a whole person. How how far are we from the sort of a version of like a fugitive slave act, essentially, so that women in states where abortion is illegal essentially can't even leave? Or how close are we to that kind of a law? Well, in 2022, when the Supreme Court overruled Roe versus Wade, uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh offered a very compelling concurrence in which he said this was nothing more than a neutral settlement, allowing the states on their own, depending on their own constituencies' preferences, to determine for themselves what kind of abortion policies they would have. And that was all this was. But I think we are seeing that the this keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more draconian, and eventually you really can't just have a state-by-state settlement. If you believe, and I believe the pro-life movement believes this quite fervently, that abortion is murder, you can't be okay with it being allowed in California, even if it's prohibited in Idaho. So that's where this is going. We are going toward the total prohibition of abortion. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I think that has been made very clear. And then they'll be coming for contraception next. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Melissa Murray, thank you very much. And up next, the debate over banning TikTok heats up after its CEO testifies on Capitol Hill. Is a nationwide ban on national security grounds necessary or is it government overreach? We will get into that after this break. This week is the deadline for employees of the federal government to remove the highly popular social media app TikTok from government-issued devices over security and privacy concerns. The White House is even threatening a complete ban of the Chinese-owned platform if the app's owners refuse to sell their stake in it to an American. This sentiment is is being shared by most members of Congress who are discussing legislation that would allow them to regulate and even ban foreign produced technology, including TikTok from being used here. Joining me now is Congressman Raja Krishnamoorthy of Illinois, a member of the Intelligence and Oversight Committees. Uh, let me play for you, uh, Jamal Bowman, one of your colleagues, arguing against um, banning TikTok. Take a listen. This is more governing through fear-mongering without actual evidence. So let's talk about all social media companies, what the harms are, and then write federal legislation to deal with those issues instead of scapegoating TikTok. 150 million Americans are on TikTok. They use it for entertainment. They use it for education. They use it to be a part of a community, not for nefarious reasons. What's wrong with that? Well, I actually respect Jamal, uh, and he has a good point about the fact that, you know, a lot of people use it. It's popular. But unfortunately, TikTok is different in kind than any other app out there in the sense that its parent company, ByteDance, uh, is actually beholden to the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, It has to abide by two laws. One, it has to require uh, complete access to user data by the CCP. And then the second is uh, the CCP is required to be a part of the company. It has to embed a cell within the company that helps to control the algorithm, ultimately. And that controls the content 
on our devices. Um, I don't believe necessarily that there's going to be a ban on TikTok、mm-hmm. or that it's going to go dark.、Mm-hmm. I do think that、uh, there'll probably be a sale of the company, which is what the Biden administration, Biden administration is calling for.、Uh, you know, it, it, it makes, I think it makes a lot of people uncomfortable just from a, a limited government perspective、sure. for the government to be able to order a company to sell. A foreign company to sell itself to an American. That sounds a little bit like colonialism to me. Yeah, I think that、um, in this particular case, what the What generally the laws or the proposed legislation is saying is it has, doesn't have to be necessarily an American company, but it probably has to be a company that can't be beholden to an adversarial regime, such as the CCP. And that, which brings me to TikTok and Facebook. Yes.、Uh, the, the Saudis, who I think anyone would argue, You know, they may sell us a lot of oil, but they're not exactly a country that we could say is upstanding of,、sure. of democratic values. They own a substantial share of TikTok. They used to own a substantial share of Facebook, sold some of it, but still own parts of Meta. So you have the Saudis, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not, 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 right, not TikTok, Twitter.、Uh, Elon Musk,、uh, who owns Twitter, one of his co owners is the Saudi royal family. Why should we not have concerns about that? Um, again, I think that、uh, we should have concerns. But, think, but you're not trying to regulate that.、Um, I think that we should uh, have uh, regulations that apply to all social media companies, and we have to do a better job of doing that. In this particular case, I think the reason why we're so concerned is what's already happened. I'll just give you a couple examples.、Um, last week, we had a hearing about the Uyghur genocide,、mm-hmm. uh, where two million Uyghurs have been、uh, jailed in concentration camps. 800,000 children have been separated from their family and women have been forcibly sterilized. It turns out that if you criticize the CCP because of the Uyghur genocide, those viewpoints get suppressed on the platform. To that same point,、yes. on Twitter right now, right,、uh, and on Facebook, they both. Bow to including China's demands for suppression of information when those platforms are used in those countries. And you already have both of those platforms, Twitter and Facebook, were involved in attacks on our elections in 2016.、Uh, they were involved on attempts to attack our elections again in 2020, not to mention spreading the kind of misinformation from Donald Trump and his fans that caused. An insurrection. So those two platforms are the ones that have already harmed the US, but you all are not trying to regulate them. Why?、Um, I absolutely think we should, and, and we're, I think that there's legislation to do that. But one other thing about TikTok that's not necessarily true about Facebook is it's being used to surveil people. I'll just give you one example. And those aren't? ByteDance uh, actually uh, used the platform TikTok. To spy on American citizens and journalists. That is very disturbing.、But、wait a minute. It,、yes. WhatsApp, which is part of Facebook, you know, one might argue Jamal Khashoggi、uh, might be, have been killed because of WhatsApp. You, you, you can't, can you tell me that Google, which when you type a word into it, suddenly the ads related to that show up all over all of your platforms? All of these devices, if you don't put your privacy settings on, all of them are spying on us, all of them are pulling our data, not just TikTok. Except that、um, I think there's a slight difference, which is that with regard to TikTok、uh, or other apps which are controlled by adversarial regimes, then you're starting to involve national security. I'll just give you another example, real quick.、Um, during that Uyghur genocide hearing, witnesses came forward and said that 
the Chinese version of TikTok called Doyen, which, by the way, controls the algorithm of TikTok, um, is routinely used to, to basically locate Uyghurs, uh, to surveil them, and then to persecute them. And unfortunately, that's something we can't endure here. Well, I, I wish we could have, have this debate longer because I would argue, I think a lot of people would argue that uh, Twitter, which is a broken system that has Nazis on it now, uh, and Facebook is are just as bad. But we will have this debate again. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, thank you. Thank you, Julie. You're very gracious to come down. And up next, Vice President Harris visits Africa, confronting its painful history with America and presenting a hopeful vision for the future. We will be right back. Vice President Kamala Harris and the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, are currently in the middle of a week-long trip to Africa. The visit kicked off in Ghana, where the Veep was greeted by throngs of gleeful children. Harris was toasted at a resplendent presidential dinner, wiped away tears while touring the dungeons of Ghana's Cape Coast slave castle, and delivered a booming speech to massive crowds where she assured Ghana that the Biden administration was all in on Africa and working to develop ties with the countries in the continent that are home to the world's youngest population. During a roundtable with women entrepreneurs, she announced more than a billion dollars in public and private money for women's economic empowerment. She's also promoting democracy, climate adaptation, and food security. Today, the vice president is in Tanzania, where she was greeted by dozens of women wearing T-shirts with Harris's photo and skirts with a picture of Tanzania's first woman president. She closes out her trip in Zambia, a place that she has a personal connection to because her maternal grandfather worked in Zambia years ago, and she visited him there. Visited him there as a young girl. VP Harris's trip comes on the heels of visits by First Lady Joe Biden, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, and Secretary of State Antony Blinken. President Joe Biden is expected to travel to Africa later this year, and that is tonight's readout. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 